Thank you for being so kind and gracious to all of us. Uh, you have been really kind. Uh, thank you for our accommodations. Thank you for the 12 pounds we've all put on. Uh, thank you for the gift basket. Just, just gracious things like that. When you're away from home and uh, you're, you're trying to make connections, it's just, it's just kind when you're with accepting. It's good when you're with kind and accepting people. And so from the bottom of my heart, I really do want to express, and I know I express it for all the missionaries, thank you for your very, very gracious hospitality. We've kind of lost the gift of hospitality in our age. We've grown anonymous and distant, and uh, certainly did not experience that here. Uh, experienced really great kindness. So thank you so much. And my prayer is that you will be wrestling with the Lord over your faith promise. I don't mean that in any negative sense at all, but just that it will be a considered thing. It won't be a light thing. We'll truly uh, give the Lord time and opportunity to speak to our heart. And preacher, I'll be praying the rest of this week for a great faith promise on Sunday. Well, take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I simply want to preach to you for a few moments this evening on beyond my world. Beyond my world. 2 Corinthians 10, let's begin reading in verse 14. There the Bible says, Paul speaking, For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule, abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Father, help us tonight. I I understand the preacher's heart. Stir us. Lord, give us a passion for what is important to you. Turn our eyes and our hearts to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I said the other evening, I'll echo it again, sometimes I'm overwhelmed by the size of the world. I do mean geographically, but I mean way more than geographically. I mean the fact that there are seven and a half to eight billion people. All the colors of people and all the nationalities of people and all the cultures and creeds and all the diversity in those eight billion people. But having said all of that, I am constantly reminded that there is but one name by which each and every one of those people must be saved. And it is the name the Lord Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to heaven. There is no option other than knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. And sometimes we forget 
the incredible value of just one soul. We get overwhelmed with eight billion. We consider it impossible. It's beyond our comprehension. But may God give us a vision tonight of the value of one soul, every soul to the Lord. My world is so much smaller than the Lord's. I don't mean just in the obvious physical way, but I mean on too many days and in too many ways, my, my world just shrinks down to that three-foot circle around me. If it impacts me, I care about it. If it affects me, I care about it. But beyond what affects my life, too often has little or no impact upon my thinking. And more than anything, I want to have the heart that God has, and the heart that I believe I see in the Apostle Paul, and, and I want to have a heart and a vision for something beyond me, my little life. Paul was a man who lived beyond. He lived beyond his measure. That's what he says in verse 14. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. In verse 13, uh, uh, he talks about living beyond his means. I'll give you explanation of that in a minute because you won't hear me say that very often. But he also says then in verse 16 that he's interested in the regions beyond. Paul, beyond, 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 beyond. He wanted to go beyond where he was. He wanted to do more, go beyond what he was doing. He wanted to give more of himself, go beyond what he was giving of himself. He never lived a life putting it in reverse. He always wanted to go forward by faith. Forward. I said the other evening, C.T. Studd, I'll just remind you of who he is. He was an incredibly great cricket player. Now, we might sit in this room tonight and say, I don't even know what cricket is. Well, we don't, but it's a tremendous game in much of the world. And and C.T. Studd was a great cricket player, but he made a fatal decision in his life. One evening when he didn't have a game in London, he went to a D.L. Moody crusade. And at the Moody crusade, he got saved. And within weeks, cricket didn't matter to him anymore. God had seized his heart, and, and he left the game of cricket and became a missionary in a number of lands across the world. But he was just known for, for being able to say things in a very crystal clear way. And, and what he said one time was, in his life, he wanted to go forward ever and backward never. Boy, may that be our understanding tonight. That is certainly the way that Paul lived his life. Notice with me three thoughts. Paul lived beyond his measure. He said in verse 14 again, We stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. Listen, it was often that Paul and the church at Corinth had a little bit of an adversarial relationship. There were a lot there that didn't like authority, and they didn't like Paul's zeal. They didn't like his emphasis. And and they would often say to him, well, look at you. You're not an impressive guy. Listen to you. You're not the greatest preacher. And uh, 
they, they kind of discounted Paul. And when Paul was talking to them about reaching the world, going beyond, going forward, they, they said to Paul, in essence, Paul, you're a dreamer. You're telling us to care about the world. You're telling us to reach the world to the regions beyond. Paul, we've got our own problems here in Corinth. You're asking us to give. You're asking us to sacrifice. Hey, Paul, I don't know if you've noticed it, but we've got our own needs in our town, in our family. We can't go beyond and reach the world. Paul, you're a a dreamer. You're not going to reach the whole world. And I love what Paul's answer to him is. Look at it. As though we reach not unto you. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, you're telling me not to be a dreamer. I can't reach the world. Can I remind you, we reached you? You see, there have always been those that will tell you and tell the church it can't be done. Hey, they sat in Jerusalem and they said, you can't take this gospel outside of Jerusalem. You can't take the gospel to Samaria, but they did. Well, maybe you could take it to Samaria, but you could never take it to the Gentile world, but they did. And a church was founded in Antioch that became the the mission capital of the world, if you will. Well, you might be able to take it uh, to Antioch, but you could never jump an ocean with it, but they did. Paul had that Macedonian vision and and that man calling him over and he jumped the Adriatic Sea, preached the gospel in Philippi. A church was born. Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus, on and on and on. Listen, by our measure, by what Mike Edwards can do, by what Crooked Creek can do just of itself, you're right, we can't do it. But I'm telling you, You pour God in our hearts. You surrender to the Holy Spirit and follow the plan of God. And I'm telling you, there's no limit to what can be done. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Let's stop telling God we can't reach the world. And let's start being the people who are saying, well, it's not dependent upon my measure. It's dependent upon what God can do through me. And God is leading and God has called me. And and God can. God is able. You know what I have found in my life? Those are easier words to say than to live. Because if I'm going to honestly believe God is able, I've got to trust Him to do it. And I've got to trust Him to do it in and through my life. Paul was a man who said, look, I know my stature isn't much. I know I'm not very glib of tongue. (laughs) I know that I don't make a great presentation. But I want to tell you, I'm surrendered to God. And by the time he was done, he left the church at Antioch and he left the church in all those Asian cities and in all those European cities. And he was struggling to get to Rome and trying to get to Spain because by God's measure, it could be done. You may sit in this room tonight and say, well, God could never use me. Stop it. Stop it. You pour God into your surrendered heart 
And you'd be amazed what God can do beyond your measure. Here's number two. Paul went beyond his borders. I love that. He wanted to preach the gospel in verse 16, in the regions beyond you. Hey, one of the great political questions facing our nation today is, who do we let in or who's coming in? How do we figure all that out? And, and listen, that's a problem that needs to be faced and figured out. But to be honest with you, that's not the problem we're dealing with tonight. Our problem is not who's coming in. Our problem is trying to get people to go out. Trying to, trying to challenge people to allow God to speak into their heart and life and say, I could use you in this place and I'll go with you to that place. Paul was saved around 42 A.D. He spent some silent years in the desert being taught by the Lord Jesus Himself and then taught by others. Around 46 A.D. he began traveling the world preaching the gospel. And for the next 15 years, he traveled by foot and by ship. He was supported by others, but also when needed, he worked as a tent maker. He preached in the great cities of the world, but he also preached in villages. And by the way, he preached in season and out of season a whole lot of times. He preached in Jerusalem, North Africa, Asia Minor, Greece, the islands of the Mediterranean, Italy, and even in the capital of the Roman Empire itself. He preached in Rome, and I am convinced of this. If you would have given the Apostle Paul a Volkswagen Beetle, he'd have preached over the entire globe. He walked. Preacher, he, he walked. He got on a ship and ended up in the sea more than once. I guess every once in a while he might have ridden a donkey or a camel, but he never thought about his discomfort, and he never thought about danger to himself because he was passionate about the region beyond. He wanted to go. I studied that phrase and wanted to understand what the region beyond was, and I loved what one old commentator said. Paul wanted to go still further. You plant him in Rome, he wants to go still further to Spain. You plant him in Ephesus, he wants to go still further into Asia. Put him over in Philippi, he wants to go still further. And praise God, the gospel can go still further. One of our problems in our lives is we become content where we are. I am not a young man anymore. I am 42 years old. Just want to make sure you're still with me. And can I tell you something I fight in my life? Not going any further. You ever get tired? You ever say, man, I've pushed it for a long time. I have, I've tried to move forward in this thing a long time and, and man, I think I've gone far enough and I think I've sacrificed enough and I think I've given enough and, and I think I've done enough. 
I think somebody else ought to do it while I go sit down a while. Hey, 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 I know that is in our nature, but it is a dangerous place for any believer to come in any season of their life. We are never done. I got saved in 1975. Can I tell you a truth about this guy that's preaching to you? God ain't done with me yet. What I mean by that is, there's still stuff He's working on in me. I still need the Word every morning. I still confess sin every single day, preacher. I'm not there yet, and neither are you. And by the way, there are still ways that I can grow. There are still ways that I can be used. And may God help us if our churches put it in park and say we're not going to challenge ourselves anymore. We're not going to go still further. We're content with where we are. May we never become content with where we are spiritually. I'll be content with what we have. I don't need any more. But not content with what God could do through us still further. C.T. Sud said this, If Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for Him. That's so powerful. How in the world do we have that vision? How do we get to that place in our life where we are willing to sell out and, and, and every stage of life be what He wants us to be? And, and you know, the only thing I can say to you is, is that somehow we have to develop the mind of Christ and see in this world what He sees. And only when we see what He sees... Will our heart be moved to go still further? Forgive my singing, but the songwriter put it this way. Let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. A world of men Who don't want you, Lord, but a world for which you died. Let me kneel with you in the garden, blur my eyes with tears of agony. For if once I could see this world the way you see, I just know I'd serve you more faithfully. I remind you of what we said Sunday. Lift up your eyes. Let's get our eyes off of our needs, our hurts, our wants, our desires, and actually see a world that's hurting and go still further than we've come. Last, let's live beyond our means. I love verse 15. 
Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Do you know what Lynette is hoping for? Lynette is praying for your faith to be increased. You know what Andrew is praying for? Andrew is praying that your faith is increased. Why? Well, number one, it's good to have great faith, isn't it? But number two, they hope to be enlarged. As your faith is increased, as you make a decision to walk with God in greater faith, then they can be enlarged. Not, don't read that as enriched. Enlarged. The possibility of their getting to the field where God has called them, it gets greater because then they could be supported. And, and what God is saying and what Paul is saying is, listen, I'm challenging you and I'm praying that your faith is increased. Not so that we can be enriched, but so the gospel of Jesus Christ can go further. Amen. All through the Word of God. Over and over again, we see that when the people of God get under the burden and they see passionately what God has for them, they give and then God takes what they give sacrificially and uses it in a great way. Too often, we lead our lives too timidly. I've said that a number of times. We offer out of our abundance... We offer what is convenient to offer. We never struggle. We never ask God, increase my faith. God, help me to take a step that is still further. And we give what is comfortable to give. Again, I'm not fussing at anybody. Please don't hear it that way. But I'm challenging all to see what God sees. To see the value of a little boy living in a refugee camp in Rwanda. Nobody even knows his name. Nobody cares that he's alive. As a matter of fact, most would be happy if he wasn't. But when God sees that little boy, He sees the value of the soul of that little guy. All this week, well, I don't know if you're baseball fans or not, but I'm saved and I'm a baseball fan. We hear this name, well, and I commend the Braves for winning. But we hear the name Aaron Judge. Anybody know who Aaron Judge is? Let me tell you a little bit about who Aaron Judge is, and I'll try to make an application. Aaron Judge is a New York Yankee who just Preacher hit the 62 home runs, and he is now the, the, the holder of the, the um, title for the most home runs in the American League, and I think in all of baseball. He's a big old strapping boy, 6'4", I think he is, and probably, well, probably just look at me, and you're probably looking at probably what Aaron Judge looks like. Can I tell you the backstory of Aaron Judge? When he was born, he was thrown away. 
two public school teachers found him, adopted him. And 30 years later, I'm not saying baseball is all that important, but I'm just saying something of value was seen. I'm just telling you, most of the world lives out of our sight. And and most of our world lives with little or no value. Life has little value in so many of these places. But I'm telling you, sitting in heaven, there is not one little heart beating in a refugee camp or in a, in a jungle somewhere or in a mountain village somewhere. There's not one heart beating that God does not count the beats of that heart, that God does not number the hairs on that head, that God does not know the value of that soul. And folks, we live so distant from any understanding that we're rarely even moved. Rarely even moved. Can I tell you one of the great fears of my life, preacher? One of the great fears of my life is is that when I stand before the Lord, I stand before the Lord with regrets. I didn't get saved till I was 23. I want you to know that I already regret 23 years that I lived not knowing the Lord. I wish that I could stand here and say to you tonight, hey, since I got saved February of 1975, there's never been a day where I haven't lived all out for Jesus. But I'm just telling you, it's not so. But I am conscious of living for God now. And, and, and I don't want to come to where I stand before Him. And, and then, as I stand before Him, understand that I never purposed in my heart. I never prioritized what was important to Him. And some of the great treasure, and some of the great talent, and some of the time that He gave me, I squandered it! I stand before Him regretting that I didn't think differently. That I didn't trust Him more. That I didn't by His grace sacrifice and give. 1904, a young man graduated from high school. His name was William Borden. That may not mean a lot to anybody except of us old folks. We, how many of you remember Elsie the cow? Well, that's the Borden family dairy. And William Borden, he was the son of the owner of the Borden dairy. He was going to be a fabulously wealthy man. And his father, to broaden his business sense and interest, said, Son, for your graduation from high school gift, we're going to give you a trip around the world. That was chaperoned, but they wanted to see business in Europe and business in Africa and business in Asia and just broaden his interest. His mother uh, was a Christian and had shared Scripture with him and he had been saved as a little boy. And on this great worldwide tour where he was going to become a class A businessman, 
God broke into his life and called him to missions. He came home from that mission trip and said to his father, Father, I know the business is so important, but God has called me to be a missionary. His father was upset. He said, well, we're going to send you to Yale University. Don't send them there anymore. Amen. But we're going to send you to Yale University. And while you study there, you'll get this nonsense out of your head. You go study. Well, they sent him to Yale and he started a rescue mission down on the streets of New Haven, won hundreds to the Lord, held evangelistic meetings in the dorms, won students to the Lord, and never lost his flame to be a missionary. While he had been in China on that worldwide trip, he had run into a people, the Kanzu people. You know them today as the Uyghur people. They're being persecuted. They were Arabic-speaking people in China. And he wanted to go reach the Kanzu people. That's who God laid on his heart. But to learn Arabic, he had to first go to Cairo, Egypt, get into language school, learn the language so he could end up in China. Oh, and he finally sailed and went to Cairo. And he arrived in Cairo and was in language school with just the greatest hope in his heart. He was going to be used to God 25 days after he was in Cairo. He contracted spinal meningitis. In those days, they didn't have the antibiotics that we have today. They certainly didn't have them in Cairo. Thirty days after he contracted the disease, he died in a filthy hospital bed in Cairo, Egypt. The papers emblazoned, preacher, what a waste! A wasted life! A man who could have been a a business zion, a tycoon, dead in a hospital at such an early age for nothing. They sent his belongings home. In the flyleaf of his Bible, they found this statement handwritten by him. No reserves. No retreats. No regrets. No reserves. No retreats. No regrets. Hey, the world may sit here and say, what a waste. I'm telling you, when he stood before the Lord, there was nothing in his heart that said, I knew I I should have used my life in another way. I should have used my fortune in another way. I should have used my talent in another way. Did you know that none of us will ever stand before God and say, man, do I regret being in all the services of that missions conference. Boy, I sure regret putting that number down on my faith promise card. Oh, man. I should have bought new cars. Oh, man, do I regret all the time I read my Bible. Nobody will say that. But many of us, to include this preacher, will say, man, I missed an opportunity. I knew God was stirring my heart. I knew He was speaking to me. I knew what He was leading me to do. 
And in that timid way I led my life, I didn't step out. I didn't come forward. I didn't write the number down. Man, I regret. Here's how the songwriter put it, and I'm done. By and by, when I look on His face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on His face, I'll wish I had given Him more. More, so much more, more of my life than I e'er gave before. By and by, when I look on His face, I'll wish, I'll wish I'd given Him more. I wish I'd have given him every Sunday. I wish I'd have given him every Wednesday. I wish I would have given him every morning meeting him in his word and worshiping him privately. I wish I'd have put away some of those things that were so besetting to me in my walk with him. I wish I would. I wish I'd have sacrificed for him. I wish I'd have given Him my life. I wish I'd have stayed plugged in. I wish I'd have gone further. I wish I'd have just gone still further. Not one person will, re- not one person will regret going further with Jesus. May God help us to see it. To live lives that go beyond. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for just these few moments, and we thank You for Your Word. And God, I pray that You would help us to see it tonight. I'm not trying to be scolding in my preaching. I'm, I'm sure not trying to be emotional, not trying to evoke an emotional response. I'm just trying to tell the truth. That the life you want for us to live is a life that goes to the regions beyond. Oh, I don't mean go to a different country if that's not what you've called us to do. But you want us to go still further in our faith. You want us growing. You want us giving. You do want us going. You want us going to our neighbors, the people we work with, the people that we run across in our community. It's all about that because they are valuable, valuable souls. Oh, God, how... Look at these young kids and teens and how they can be used. The world wants to eat them up, destroy them, but you could use them. Not for some home run title, but for some great calling in your service. Some of us who have grown content with where we are, done enough, worked enough, Grown enough? Given up enough? No, never, never. Still further. Still further. So, Lord, would you speak into our hearts tonight? Every one of us.
And Lord, may we purpose in our heart to be like that old apostle. An old fellow who was thrown into the sea more times than he could understand. Beaten and left for dead. Arrested. Hated. But loved. God, he came to the end of his life and there was no blood on his hands. <laughs> he had told people the truth. Help us to be that kind of person who goes beyond. The Lord, settle down over this heart, the hearts in this room. Speak to them about their mission's commitment, whether it just be their giving, their praying, or their life. Work in us. Help us to go beyond. So we'll never regret when we stand before you. In Jesus' name.